The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed by us are ours and do not reflect those of our employers, co-workers, family, or friends. While we have conversations about various topics, any mentions of drugs, sex, religion, politics, and the like that offends anyone should be considered satire and for entertainment purposes only. And yes, we can get a little toxic. So if you're easily triggered, have unresolved trauma, can't take a joke, or don't enjoy adult conversations, you've been warned. Listener discretion is advised. We hope you enjoy the show. All right. Is it weird that the disclaimer never gets old to me? I mean, like, really. And I also decided that this week I was going, or at least on this episode and moving forward, I was really going to make a concentrated effort not to refer back to the disclaimer. Because at the end of the day, the disclaimer is already here. It is what it is. If they catch it at the beginning of the show, I'm still covered no matter what I say. At least that's the way I'm viewing it. But anyways, how was your week? Did you do anything special for Valentine's Day? Oh, yeah. Listen, I well, first of all, I've already forgotten about telling people or referencing people to the disclaimer. You know what I'm saying? Like once it's out there, I'm going to talk my talk and then reference it to you. You know what I'm saying? If you have any issues. Um, my week was good. You know what I'm saying? Just a lot of work as usual, man. Trying to build this little empire. You know what I'm saying? Add on to the fam fam. You dig what I'm saying? But as far as like Valentine's Day, nah, we ain't do nothing for Valentine's Day. Like, listen, we decided like several years ago never to walk in anyone's shadow, right? If I <laughs> no, fail. For, if I succeed, at least I lived as I believed. But no, for real. I mean, honestly, as we've been together for a long time, you know, I, I think it was one year where we went to try to go to a, a place or whatever. It was mad busy. It was just like, why are we doing this? Like, it just felt like we were falling in line with the commercialization of love or relationships. Mm-hmm. So at some point, we decided to like, you know what? We're not doing the Valentine's Day bullshit. You know what I mean? We got to put forth more effort in regards to showing each other love consistently throughout the year and not just waiting for one day to buy candy and flowers and roses. And like, low-key, she's not even with a lot of that shit, right? Because she doesn't eat candy like that. So, I mean, I just appreciate her. I appreciate us, right? And so we don't do the Valentine's Day. I'm going to ask you also, too, for you, like, did you do anything for Valentine's Day? Listen, I'm not knocking anybody who does do anything for Valentine's Day. Everybody has to find their own, like, different vibes. But how was your Valentine's Day? So I actually don't celebrate Valentine's Day. I haven't celebrated Valentine's Day in the entire relationship except for once. And to be honest, since I am a sugar addict, the day I celebrate is Side Chick Day because the candy is 50% off. So for those who don't know, you the Side Chick, that's a day on the 15th when you get that date with the flowers and the candy. And so my husband find it exceptionally weird that as time moved on and I recognized that candy was 50% off, Russell Stover's, Lint's, um, Godiva, I was like, oh, snap. As a chocolate holic, I have got to take advantage of this. And so I celebrate Side Chick Day because I get candy and for 50% off. Now, this does not mean my husband go get me this candy. As a matter of fact, he still can't believe that I go. I wait for Side Chick Day because I'm cheap to get hey, 50% that's just off smart. candy. That's just smart. 
So mad that you call out the side chicks day though. Like I, I don't like that for us. Can't side chicks have their day in peace? Why do we have to bring attention to their side? You know what I'm saying? Like it's just their day. Matter of fact, it could be the day before. Hell, you can mm-hmm. do like a lunch the day of. I mean, there's different different ways. I'm just y'all. Can we stop calling? Let the side cheeks have love and peace. Hey, I'm just saying it's like a two for one deal. That's all I'm saying. So I've recognized the 15th and you are right. The day before, the day before, um, during the day of maybe lunchtime, that coffee, uh, switch, whatever its case may be. I don't know, but I do know that candy is 50% off the day after. And so therefore I will be there bright and early at the CVS because they don't put up their candy right away to get me some 50% off chocolates. <laughs> I will say this one last thing, though, before we get off of Valentine's Day, I ask you how your week is. I kind of do feel bad for all the single people on Valentine's Day because, I mean, like, it's easy for us to say what we're saying because we have somebody. I feel like the dark side of Valentine's Day kind of creates, you know, people who feel a certain type of way because they don't have somebody, right, on that particular day, right? So I just think, like, this whole idea of making it about one day that's overly commercialized. Mm -hmm. Yes, if you're in love, you're doing your thing, it's an opportunity to show it. For some of us who are more OGs in our relationship, maybe we realize other ways that we can show love more consistently. But for the people out there that are single, man, keep your head up, you know what I'm saying? Or do better when it comes to finding somebody to be with. You got 360-some-odd days to get your shit together if it's that important to you. But anyways, that's a him. What's good with you? How was your week? You know, my week was full of recognizing my frenemies, basically. Um, You know, the person who pretends to be your friend, but at the same time, they're actually your enemy or your rival. And so I'm trying to determine if someone can unconsciously be moving as a frenemy, but actually think they're your friend. So if you have a friend, for example, that becomes jealous of your success or your beauty, your personality, etc., then you need to be careful because in case you didn't know, it's kind of hard to recognize some of these frenemies because in some cases, they always write under you. They always want to be with you. They're always finding ways to like, oh, let's do this. Let's do this together. But then at the same time, they're providing you backhanded compliments. They're draining your energy. And as and if someone else compliments you, they, they got a jab to throw in there. But the worst part, like I said, they always try and be around you. So I be trying to give people the benefit of doubt because people be warning you about these snakes in the grass. And so, but I'm I'm that person where I just want to be, give them grace and I want to see who they are and, you know, just recognize that it is what it is. But at the same time, I don't want to follow other people's opinions, right? And so I try to give them the benefit of doubt. Even when people say, oh, she ain't your friend. She's not a real friend. Real friends don't act like that. So you would think in one ear, it'll start dawning on me like, hey, maybe I should be looking for this shit. And, but nope. Because I go in with basically eyes wide shut and try to give them the benefit of doubt. And now I'm like, damn, even when I gave this person grace or these people grace, I'm still being met with hostility. Because at the end of the day, it's like, how dare you give me grace? You knew I was a scandalous ass bitch in the first place. And I'm just like, well, damn, I didn't. I try to give you the benefit of doubt. But I'm just curious. You got frenemies around you? Do you recognize them? Because apparently I'm a little slow on the uptake. 
Well, you know, it's funny. I, as you were talking, I was trying to think through if I have frenemies and I was going to ask you, like, do you think it's it's something that happens more on the women's side versus men's side? Because for me, like, I mean, the people I fucks with, they I fucks with them, they fuck with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think number one, dudes tend to be a little bit loath to mm-hmm. show um, jealousy amongst each other because it's a sign of weakness to a certain extent. It's almost like you're admitting certain things. And so even if a guy is that way, he'll be like low key kind of with his hate, if you will. Right. He may hate when you're not around and so maybe that's the reason why i can't identify a lot of these frenemies but for the most part the people i fuck with they fuck with me you know what i'm saying and you know we can be open and honest i've had moments right i think jealousy or whatever certain emotions emotions are natural i think it's really just about a person being able to do the work introspectively to figure out why do i feel this way because they'll realize that it's not really about the other person it's about themselves right and so as long as you're mature um i think you can kind of mitigate some of those natural human emotions and so I guess I hope that most of the niggas I surround myself with are guys who are mature, who are doing their own thing. Yes, there's healthy competition. Yes, we all want to be the best, but it's kind of a little bit more like friendly competition where your shine is also my shine because of our proximity. So I don't get it, but that's why I was kind of like, is this something that you think happens more on the women's side than men's? Because by and large, I mean, maybe on Clubhouse, you might have some people that you're cool with, but in, like in real life, if you're talking about your friends, I'm not familiar with frenemies in that way. So, I mean, do you think it is something that is mainly something that women deal with or you think it is something that both people deal with because I'm not seeing it on my side so to be honest I think it's mostly women that deal with this because we're taught to be competition from the start from the moment we come out the world we're taught to be competitive towards each other right and as far as like looks or dressing or whatever the case may be so I think it's mostly women I think some men may experience it but then they're known as um, let me I see today's gonna be a day full of cursing so but they're known as bitch ass niggas right (laughs) (laughs) yes can you define that for us please can you say that one more time bitch ass niggas So those people are the ones who express that jealousy, that anger, that animosity, the one that be trying to hide their hand but be smiling in your face at the same time. Now, those men are the ones who are actually your frenemy. And I think that is actually more common to have frenemies in the workplace versus in your circle if you're a guy. And um, and even then, nine out of 10, to be honest, they probably women, though. So... (laughs) But there are some men who actually, I've seen some men who behave as a frenemy to other men where they were actively blocking this person behind their back, um, but smiling in their face. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's so that's why I think the frenemy thing is a tough one because there's no friend in that. Right. And so guys are already like most of us probably don't have the largest friend groups. We're very difficult to make new friends. So when we start to identify certain behavior that even leans towards the hater or enemy side, it's no friend in that. You're just an enemy at at best. Right. So and if they're doing it behind your back, then it's like you don't really know. And I think there will be moments, though, for people who behave that way to show themselves. But by and large, I just think that like guys are very uh, circumspect when it comes to our friend groups to begin with, because like y'all be having new girlfriends. Oh, my God, it's my bestie. Like a matter of minutes it's like you just messaged me sudden she's your best friend but okay but guys it's like i got all my day ones most most of my homies that i feel like are my homies i've known them for a while you dig what i'm saying so but listen man you gotta navigate you know what i mean any quick tips before we move on in terms of how are you navigating these frenemy relationships 
Well, so usually once I identify them as a friend of me, I tend to remove myself from the situation. In some cases, they remove themselves from the situation. And so it's it's interesting because especially in the workplace environment, it's like you still got to be polite, have a certain amount of distance, but you start pulling other things back, right? Because you don't want that type of negativity in your circle. And it's funny because one of my friends, she was like, first of all, you need to stop making new friends. <laughs> She told me I was too old to be making new friends. <laughs> and she she said, I need to be like Drake, no new friends. No and new so, friends, no new friends, no, no new. <laughs> exactly. So you know what? I'm starting to think maybe I need to move like that. I hate to think that way. I always want to give people the benefit of doubt. But at the risk of my own sanity, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm about to start doing hard passes. Like, mm, mm. Mm. As soon as you start exhibiting signs that you are a friend of me, I'm out. Like, I'm not savaging it anymore. I'm not even attempting because it's draining and exhausting. So anyways, just recognize if your friend is jealous of you, that's a friend of me. Move accordingly. Or maybe not even a friend at all. But speaking of making new friends, first of all, we want to shout out all the new friends that we have here at the BLC Pod, the His and Hers edition. But with that being said, let's get this show started, man. First thing is you got to be selfish as hell. You got to be selfish. I don't give a... It's the sacrifice, but without great sacrifice and without great risk, there is no such thing as great reward. Can't have one. That math will never math. And I don't like this word, but I'm going to say it because it's true. You have to be a little maniacal with it. Maniac, right? That word isn't good in a lot of situations, but when you're pursuing your destiny, you have to be selfish. You have to be maniacal. You have to be uncompromising. And you have to move in a way when it comes to those three things, when you function completely in a way where it's an unwavering faith. Like, it don't matter how up that might look. It don't matter how much it feel like it ain't gonna work. Delusion. Complete delusion. You gotta believe the delusion <laughs> because it's only delusional until it works. So hopefully that was just as inspirational as you, Nick. I love the energy. Let's get it started. Woohoo! I'm surprised you didn't know. say. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say. Let's go. I okay, mean, let me not make that face. <laughs> let me I'm not make that face. I'm tired of the sexy red. I'm trying to. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> it was an ugly face. I shouldn't be making that face. But anyway, so let's welcome <laughs> welcome to episode six of the His and Her edition of the BLC Pop. But um, before we jump into quick takes, Nick, what do you want folks to do? Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, comment, share, engage, all of that. There's a bunch of buttons underneath right there. Press all of them. You know what I mean? It'll take you a couple of seconds. You know what I mean? Just show us a little bit of love if you enjoy the content. Don't forget to, what was that, S&M? Like, subscribe, follow. Matter of fact, hate like. Hate follow, hate subscribe. I don't care. Be a friend of me to our podcast. Mm. Just like, follow, subscribe, share. 
and engage. But speaking of frenemies, right, or speaking of beefs or hate liking and hate posting, right? So, of course, you know, Shannon Sharp has been in the news all 2024. In this particular case, I guess Mike Epps had said something about Shannon had reached out to him or whatever, but he declined, made some references to Shannon Sharp looking like Medea. So they kind of got into a little back and forth. Shannon Sharp was like, yo, I don't chase a lie, but don't put a lie on my name. He essentially kind of felt like he did not reach reach out to Mike Epps and Mike Epps was basically clout chasing. So it got to the point where it's like, yo, I'm going to pull up on you when I see you at the NBA All-Star game. Mike Epps was like, yo, you can pull up on me, but I'm too old to fight, making references to using other things to, to handle their shit. So long story short, apparently they met up in Indianapolis for the NBA All-Star game. These two grown-ass men with way too much to lose found peace and uh, reconciled their differences. What were your thoughts watching this whole thing play out? So my first thing was, was it really a beef, though? I mean, like, was it really a beef? It was over just as soon as it started. As a matter of fact, I blinked my eyes, like, and it was over. And so <laughs> I'm glad they were able to squash it and keep it moving. I was a little surprised that, there, you know, to be honest, when he was talking about he don't fight, basically, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, uh, Mike Epps got some goons. <laughs> mm. But anyways, anyway, the case may be, I'm just like, I'm glad it's over. These are two great men in their own respective way. And we don't need this type of beef. You know, it's all entertainment. It's all love. And if there was some type of misunderstanding, miscommunication, matter of fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if later on we find out, um, guess who's going to be on the next Club Shay Shay, right? Mm. It'll be Mike Epps. So I'm glad they kept it moving. I'm glad that they squashed it. And speaking of squashing and keeping it moving, Mm. did you hear about Larsa Pippen and Marcus Jordan that they split? Yes. Yes, I did. And good for him, right? Because, I mean, low-key, I was looking out for his best interest. I almost felt like I was his daddy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, Marcus, son, you should not. Like, run, nigga, run. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, obviously, we talked about this story. Most people really didn't give a fuck. I mean, because low-key, both of them are, like, famous because they were connected to other people. Obviously, their age difference was huge. But, I mean, I'm like, listen, as long as you got you some good experience from that, Marcus, I'm not begrudging you that, okay? Because sometimes them older women will teach a brother some things, okay? And as much as she said she was throwing that thing around, I'm I'm sure that you were pretty much satiated. we're talking about long-term, though, like marriage, lifelong commitment. Did you really see yourself with her 15 years from now? Ain't that much Botox out here, my brother, okay? Ain't that much surgery when she's like 75,000, okay? And now you got to change her diaper, remembering the good old days when she was throwing you that older box five times a day. <laughs> I was trying really hard not to laugh loud, but... <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, keeping what? it a <laughs> I'm just keeping it a bead. <laughs> Speaking of boxes, you know, like mystery boxes, right? <laughs> Shout out to Rachel Dolezal, a.k.a. Let me read this correctly. Inkeche uh, Duwalo, right? So apparently she found somebody to hire her as a teacher. Only... <laughs> Excuse me, only to be fired because it was discovered that she had an OnlyFans. Uh, what are your thoughts about Rachel Delajau, who has a new black name that has like the apostrophes like African women do, in terms of her being fired for having a OnlyFans? So, hmm, 
This is a woman we all love to hate, let's be honest, right? Because she was blackfishing and she blackfished successfully and she continues to blackfish, right? And so, but some reason she continues to be successful with it. So uh, she rose to the ranks, got high, and then she got knocked down, right? Once found out that she was blackfishing. So I think she's just trying to make an honest living and someone got to go and snitch. First of all, who was watching her OnlyFans, right? Second, did you know that most teachers have secondary jobs anyways because in some states they are definitely not paid enough so just because she liked to show little feet okay now let me be more precise from my understanding while she did have this OnlyFans account there was mostly for people who have foot fetishes which also makes me question the person who snitched but anyways mostly for showing her feet she did have some other provocative photos but for the most part her OnlyFans was for those with foot fetish so I mean let this woman step on some damn mashed potatoes or whatever the hell she was doing let her have this moment to make an honest living and you know I think it's weird that she got fired. I actually know several teachers, which is sad, that does OnlyFans. Fortunately, their clothes are on and it's just their voice. Or at least in one case, it's just their voice, like reading stories or some shit. I don't know. There's clearly a market for it. And so I'm just going to say, let this woman live. I wish she'll stop blackfishing, though, because at this point, imitation is not a form of flattery. At this point, it's like, just let it go, ma'am. We know you have two white parents. But so... I'm sad to hear she got fired. But then again, who do we want influence our children's mind? And speaking of getting fired or maybe getting fired, I don't know for sure. But what do you think about your DA, Fannie Willis, taking the stand? I know in our previous episode, which is episode four, by the way, for those who have been tuning in and for those who have not been tuning in, this will be episode four where we talked about Fannie Willis. But anyways, moving on. We touched upon our relationship with Nathan Wade. And I'm just curious as to what do you think about the fact now the fan has hit the fanny? <laughs> well, just real quick, just to go back to our previous story. If somebody was watching her page for a foot fetish, I meant it couldn't stay 10 toes down and not stitch on her. See what I did there? I'm sorry. I had to go back to that. Um, but speaking of fannies, uh, <laughs> oh, is it Fawny, right? I think I might have messed up her pronunciation, but it is what it is. It's more fun to say Fanny anyways. Um, so I saw the videos this week. Obviously, they had the hearing where they had, you know, Mr. Wade on the stand, and they were talking about the timing of what they had going on. I mean, honestly, this shit is fucking messy. I said it before. I say it again. The peen was definitely not worth it. I mean, maybe it was but like low-key like her persona the way she came across listen i love strong black women i love black women who can kind of get into their bag or whatever but at the same time i just kind of felt like it was tone deaf in regards to whether or not people would view her a certain type of way you dig what i'm saying like we talk about the alpha female and all this other kind of stuff there was there was one point she was like i don't need no man to do x y and z i'm like you need a man for some peen you need a man for some pain. But like just the whole I don't need a man part as far as her testimony, I get it because I guess it was a woman that was sitting there kind of questioning her and maybe was talking about money. But at the same time, it's like, sis, like, do, are you soft at all? 
You know what I'm saying? Like, you look transactional. You look like the type of chick who might be doing some shady shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, low-key, if I'm being honest. You know what I'm saying? Like, who the fuck? She doesn't have no, uh, uh, she said she didn't have no checks and she was giving this nigga $2,500 in cash. You know what I'm saying? That's suspect That's suspect as fuck. You know? She ain't got no cash out. You couldn't have zelled them the money. You had to go to the, can you, first of all, you could only take out, like, what, $600 from the bank? I mean, come on, Fanny. Like, listen, I root for everybody black. Uh, Fanny could probably low-key get it. If I was her subordinate, I might be like, okay, ma'am, you know what I'm saying? Do you want me to hit it from the back? You know what I mean? Because of the pressures of the job, right? And then maybe later sue her for sexual harassment. But the point is, <laughs> is that like she was doing too much and uh, probably doing too much both at the job and at the hearing. You know what I'm saying? But speaking of somebody who apparently is doing too much, <laughs> right? Because Diamond, I feel like the last time we sort of talked about this story, it wasn't about her specifically, maybe it was, but the last time we talked about Scrappy, right? And so Scrappy, was obviously having a conversation with Erica Dixon. After Scrappy left the BAM, he had like a little detour Diamond's way, but then all of a sudden Diamond shows up and she's getting engaged to by this boxer nigga. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, fam, did you not watch Loving Him Out? Have you not seen the clips online? But what are your thoughts about this new mystery nigga and Diamond getting engaged after like not too long being all up in Scrappy and Erica's business? So, you know, I'm glad she accepted the proposal because we definitely don't want her out there like Erica Dixon, uh, which we did do that episode on Scrappy. <laughs> but interesting enough, because I could have sworn that just in December, they were beefing about Scrappy, right? Like they were throwing shots at each other about Scrappy just in December. And now we're in February, he got this whole... But anyways, I think um, Scrappy already came out and stated that he's single. He don't know how long he's going to be single, whatever the case may be. And I believe we had a conversation about him spinning the block with these two. And I'm just like, right? I'm just like, I hope these women take a moment and listen to episode one of his and her pod and heed our advice. Stop blocking your blessings for some dude that keep playing you like a yo-yo or in Nick's work, spinning the block on you. And congratulations basically to the boxer. Like, I'm sorry. It's a little weird to me that much like Eddie Murphy's son and Martin Lawrence's daughter, the headlines and the articles themselves did not mention him by name, only by occupation. And so for that, I apologize, Mr. Boxer, because I have no idea who the hell you are. And so, <laughs> but congratulations. Hey. I mean, you know, leave it up to you and women in general. Anytime you throw like an engagement, we're going to forget everything and just be focused on the fact that, yeah, girl, you finally got that ring. I mean, listen, I'm happy for it too. But I'm like wondering from old boy, like fam, your shorty that you were proposing to was just fighting with another chick for some nigga that she used to fuck with on multiple occasions, okay? Like, we could be happy for her, but at the same time, if she was just swinging on another nigga nuts, I'd have some concern about her monkey branching in this situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, was this dude always there? I feel like as a guy, you wouldn't have proposed if there wasn't already a relationship there. So he's been in the wings having to deal with her moving a certain type of way. Listen, if they're happy, I'm happy. I'm just saying, fellas, if you see a woman moving the way that Diamond has. I'm not saying don't marry her. Actually, I am kind of saying don't marry her, but at the very least, if you want to go ahead and marry her, give yourself a little bit more time to kind of figure out what the fuck is going on. And for Diamond's sake, I mean, I know, like I said, women love to see a girl getting married, but like low-key, if that's not the dude that you are really feeling, if you still feel the other nigga that you used to date, I get he may be bad for you, but moving on in marriage with somebody that you're not fully committed to is probably not a good idea. You dig what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, man, if we 
want to wish them nothing but the best and uh, thoughts and prayers for everybody involved. You know what? I co I co-sign on this one hundred percent on what you just said. And you know who else I'm giving thoughts and prayers to? Mm. Christina Mackey, cause she <laughs> fucked up some hamburger helper. I'm just like, how do you mess up hamburger helper? Of all things, the instructions are right there, and I think it's only like three ingredients, or maybe four, like milk, water, the cheese pack is already there, and some damn ground beef. So how the hell do you mess up hamburger helper? And so I'm just curious, you know. This clearly meant Rick Ross did not get involved with her for her cooking skills. And so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, newsflash. I mean, I mean news, first of all, when you got the kind of money that Rick Ross has, and he's also a proprietor of Wingstop, I'm sure you can find other ways to get your meal. You're not necessarily going with Christina for her culinary talents, right? And I'd also venture to, uh, to say that she probably has talents in other places because honestly looks are not enough right and her persona or at least what she said online seemed like somebody who's trying so i do want to give her some kudos for at least trying like it's easy for us to put this young woman down for messing up the hamburger helper but what we should do is lift her up right because she made the effort to cook her man a little something something during super bowl right and and I'll tell you this real quickly when I met my wife she did not know how to cook in all seriousness right she did not know how to cook i remember the first time she tried to cook for me she burnt the shit okay but as we've continued now, she's doing her thug fizzle. You dig what I'm saying? She recognized or maybe felt like it was important for her and the role that she would play in our lives to step her culinary game up. And that's exactly what she did. Okay, so while we as a community want to judge this beautiful young lady for fucking up the hamburger helper, what I want to do is lift her up and congratulate her for giving a full effort towards preparing a meal for her man, right? Which seems like a lot more than other women are willing to do in 2024, back to you, SNM. <laughs> so, with that being said, I actually was thinking that all those red pillars that kept telling women you got to know how to cook and clean with cook leading the way, um, I guess that may not be the truth. It may not be the case because you will be sacrificing something if you got one, the money. Two, or you can, there's a possibility that you can sacrifice. So basically, just like we talk about women, where they're supposed to choose what attributes, if they want this high value man, what attributes are they willing to let go or have or whatever the case may be? Well, it turns out if you want a very beautiful woman, um, you might have to decide what attributes you're willing to let go, especially if you have the means to do so. And if cooking is not something, especially in his case, because I was like, was this a test? I was like, is this a test? Rick Ross be eating though. They look at it. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> so I actually thought, I was like, is this a test? Was he testing her skills? And was like, let me just go ahead and throw some hamburger out, um, help her out there. I'm like, yeah. he should just tell her, make some damn scrambled eggs. Cause then she would have passed the test. Cause you can't mm -hmm. mess up scrambled eggs. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I thought you couldn't mess up hamburger helper either. So I give her an A for effort. There you go. I give her a B for recording her effort. Okay. And, and then I give Rick Ross a C for slamming her effort. He should have been like, yo, you did this, boo. You did this. Nah, but then he got to give some correction. Maybe not because yeah. then she would have kept fucking up that hamburger helper. Yeah. 
I mean, listen, honestly, I think men just want to know that she has that ability or she's willing to develop that ability. It may not be about cooking. Like, so I'm going to move on to the next story, but like Beyonce, for example, right? Does anybody doubt that Beyonce can cook, even if we don't think she's cooking all the time? I mean, she is a Southern girl, right? From the country. Mm -hmm. You dig what I'm saying? I mean, I feel like she may have mentioned being able to whip up a meal, right? But do you think Beyonce is actually cooking? Well, even if she's not cooking in the kitchen, she has certainly been cooking in the recording studio okay because she didn't waste any time right after the whole grammys the super bowl came and went but you know what beyonce was still out there cooking in the recording booth because she dropped two new country songs right and it sounds like for her next act that she's going to be doing country music so what are your thoughts have you heard the songs or just like what's beyonce doing with the country we feeling it or no so first, I got to say kudos to her marketing because she showed up in the Grammy and guess what type of attire? Country attire. Then she immediately after, shortly afterwards, dropped these two songs. I was just like, wait a minute. This was some advertisement. And then not to mention that Jay-Z, while I still continue to give him props for protecting his wife during that moment and calling out the bullshit, it actually made people focus on the fact that she actually was wearing country attire as well. So he also brought attention to her in country attire. So. I don't know. I think I haven't heard the songs. I'm actually looking forward to it because as far as I'm concerned, we invented every single major music style to include jazz, blues. And yes, I'm going to say country, too. Mm -hmm. The problem is writers like Tracy Chapman, who also got awarded, by the way, during the Grammys for Fast Car. But anyways, and other black country singers themselves don't get enough shine or credit. So I'm like, all right now, Beyonce, go ahead and it's. Um, what's it? Flex your wings and hit that horizon and see how far you can go. And to be honest, at one point, even Ray Charles and Tina Turner were said to have country songs. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just when you started doing that, I started thinking of Georgia. <laughs> you know that song? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but anyways, though, so the only thing I'm curious about really, like, are people considering this a form of her pandering because she didn't get that whole country, like, this is outside her genre? But is it really outside her genre? Because she did R&B, pop. I'm not surprised. I'm waiting for her to start rapping, to be honest. But She's done a little bit of that. I've heard I've heard some bars from B, yeah. What? I mean, I bars does start with B. Yeah. I mean, my, yeah. <laughs> On one of the more recent joints, I think she had a song with Khaled and Future. You know what I'm saying? Going ape shit or something like that. Um, were you done? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. I was just curious because I was like, I missed it. I'm going to have to go back and check it out. You know, but yeah. So anyways, I think it's a good look for her. I think a lot of times when we think of country, we automatically assume white folks. And that's because of how Jim Crow and segregation work. And so I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with this, if she'll be able to get that crossover appeal. Because to be honest, the Beehive is huge and it's already a crossover appeal. And so maybe there's something else behind this. And I just think that she's testing herself. And so I'm just going to say the last person who I thought of singing country, you know, it turns out there's a whole bunch to include this chick named Amphius who sung this song called Black Myself. And it was basically her talking about singing country as a black woman. But anyways, the last person I thought of before her was Little Nas X. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, You know what? I'm not because I was about to say something that was going to be offensive to the LGBTQ community, perhaps. And so I will pull that back and just say the last person I thought of who we may see as a country singer 
was Little Nas X. But there's actually a lot, at least 12 that were, anyways, moving on. What are yeah, your thoughts? I don't thoughts? know how we got to, I, I got you, queen. I got you. Because I'm like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> well, I had from... a comic because I was, but I was like, you know, it is not because it's not meant to be that way. And so, but anyways, what are your thoughts? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, you know, in this quick take, I'll just quickly say that, um, you know, listen, uh, I don't know if it's pandering or not. I don't really care. Beyonce can do whatever she wants artistically. The last album wasn't for me, but I think in terms of being an artist, someone who's been in the game for a while, obviously maybe going back to her roots, um, we've seen other black artists kind of go back and do a little country. Matter of fact, I think what's her sister's name? She sings. Um, she's currently doing that. She may not be as big as Beyonce. I know Azalea Banks had referenced her because she was talking about how Beyonce's you know, attempt at country music just sounds like R&B riffs over a country beat, right? And we've already heard that some stations supposedly are denying or refusing to play the record. So it'll be interesting to see after Jay-Z's speech if this was, is something that is either going to bring her record of the year, if it's something that um, she'll be facing that type of backlash and controversy from people who are ingrained in country music. Um, because unlike pop music, unlike the Grammys, country is a little bit island onto its own. Maybe in the Grammys, yes. But when you talk about like the Country Music Awards, is she somebody that's going to be invited to perform? Will she be embraced? So I'm looking forward to see what all that. I did hear one of the songs. And it's actually all right. So we'll see what she does. But um, I'm all, you know, I'm team Beyonce. So she can do no wrong in my eyes. You know what I mean? Just don't break my heart. My achy, breaky heart with bad music. <laughs> like, this album sucks. You know what I'm saying? Okay, <laughs> now you not sound like broke. a true... You not sound like a true beehive there when you said this album sucks. Don't break my heart. Beehive, folks, no matter what she do. I never said I was a beehiver. You can be someone who supports someone without being like a fan who cannot be objective. Okay? I am a supporter and appreciator of Beyonce, but I can certainly be objective. Moving on. I agree with that then. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, anyways... <laughs> Let's get the main so text, man. We meandering right now. <laughs> we we meandering. Did you watch the um did you watch the uh Super Bowl, by the way? Um, I gotta admit that I only watched it for the halftime show. And that's because guess who was performing at the halftime show? Usher. No. Oh yeah, who, him. Yes, who did not disappoint. And so he brought up so many musicians. So while I was thinking about Beyonce, I was like, oh, we should jump into the main topics. Because Usher during that halftime show. Brought out so many musicians from Luda to Jermaine Dupri, who I thought was CeeLo Green at first, but mm -hmm. it turns out I was wrong. <laughs> well, I am. And um, and then, but no one stole the attention like Alicia Keys when she did her duet with Usher, but it did raise some eyebrows. And as folks harking back to the Kiki Palmer incident, so what do you think about Usher and Alicia Keys performing on stage, singing my boo, and but more importantly about all that seemingly extra touchy filly on Alicia, knowing that she's a married woman. I know folks thought Swiss Beats was mad as hell, but was her behavior appropriate, inappropriate as a wife, an entertainer? I'm just, what are your thoughts? Well, real quick, before I get into that, I might be the only person who was underwhelmed by Usher's performance at the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. Um, just really quickly, I felt like he was focusing more on the dancing than the singing. Because at times, you can kind of tell like he might have been a little out of breath or whatever. I mean, I know we like live singing versus lip singing, but bro, you got to find a better balance. At the age, you know, whatever 40s, close to 50 you are in, we'll forgive you for not like pop-locking every fucking step, right? That's number one. I felt like he spent way too much time on certain 
certain songs versus other songs. Some of the transitions was too much for me or just not enough for me. Let me put it that way. So while it was a decent overall performance, I did not see him in Vegas, but uh, I was very underwhelmed. I was super excited. I love Usher, big fan. And in fact, um, one of his songs was, you know, You Got It Bad was when I realized I was in love with my wife at the time, like literally driving to work. So, you know, me and Usher got some history, you know what I'm saying? But that performance, uh, you know what I mean? I could have had a V8. But the one of the worst parts of that performance for me was, you guessed it, Alicia Keys, right? Number one, I felt like she came in off a bad note. She looked great. But like that song or that little medley that they did, it was like too long. Because if we're going to go ahead and take away some of Usher's other songs to do this, it's like, nah, I mean, my boo was cool. It didn't need the type of time that it needed. But the thing that stuck out to me, and let's be honest, the thing that most people were talking about was how close Usher was. I remember watching it in real time, and I get their acting, whatever. But he was looking real lusty for like a prolonged period of time while she was there, right? And then on top of that, like he was all up on her. You know, there was rumors that he had groped her, okay? Now, listen, I'm going to try to be serious and then half joking at the same time. Half joking is like, get the fuck out of here, Usher. Don't leave your girl around me. Y'all even had a disclaimer. Like, what are you intimating, right? That, hey, I left my wife around Usher, and now she's all snugged up in front of 100 and, what, 30-some-odd million people? I don't give a fuck if it was acting. Y'all better act like somebody that was married. You better act like you had some goddamn sense. Y'all could have been friendly on some brother and sister vibe. It got a little too cozy for most of us out here, right? But in all seriousness, I do think there is a conversation, right? In regards to how men and women should behave publicly with this with the, with you know people of the opposite sex, especially if they're married. And you know, I mean, listen, if Swiss is cool with it, they're cool with it, no problem, right? But I do think that there were men who clearly voiced their concerns about what occurred. And I feel them, right? Because what they're saying is that hey, some of y'all women out here who are moving a certain type of way on socials or publicly, nah, that's not that's not what we doing over here not everybody's an actress let's be clear not everybody's a performer let's be clear but some of y'all are out here acting and performing inappropriately in relationships with somebody okay and i think that's okay to call it out and that's just basically what i'm saying so first she is an entertainer first and foremost this was her and he's an entertainer first and foremost i will say this not usher's first rodeo being extra touchy feely you know because at one point i was like ooh. His hand got dangerously low there. However, it's still an act. And so Swiss Beat said he had no problem with it. And as a matter of fact, after the halftime show, Alicia Keys called out her husband even. And then Swiss Beat posted something immediately after it. And I'm like, damn, it was just a show. It was for entertainment purposes only. I was not entertained. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's because you probably was imagining your your imagination was going wild like that if my wife was up there she better know damn well i don't know i'm just guessing um and to be honest my husband would have been kind of the same <laughs> to be honest because when he saw it he was like ooh, and so <laughs> but you know i think that it was acting i guess it was convincing acting she was supposed to look like she was in love with usher usher was supposed to look like he was in love with her and guess what they succeeded in pulling that off so everybody be all up in arms about this. But I'm just like, hey, Swiss pointed out people was focused on the wrong thing. Now back to us normal people, right, who's not performing, who's not 
being entertained or our entertainers, well, then there is some conversation that needs to be had as far as what is appropriate behavior as a wife. And if I'm touchy-feely up on some guy who is clearly not my husband and I'm not in the entertainment business, then that's follow my part. Because unless we're friends, I'm just throwing you a little bro hug, side hug, that one-arm hug, whatever the case may be, um, there's no way in hell you're going to be touching me like that. So. <laughs> that's what I'm like, like, like that's, but that's what I'm okay. So, so now you're gonna force me to talk about the acting thing. And I'm gonna just get on this real quick and then we keep it moving. It's up to you. But were they in the movie? No, they were not in the movie, right? Um, Usher, I think, got married, right? That's you know, not too long thereafter, right? So he's in an mm-hmm. all out relationship that most people know about. Alicia Keys is in a relationship there. I don't understand the need to act like y'all, y'all fucking with each other like that. Why couldn't it have just been like, hey, this is my sis, it's a Super Bowl, we're doing our thing. What was the point of acting like y'all were back in the music video? Fuck that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have still been a good performance where it's like, hey, it's my sis. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, oh. High five, my boo. Chest bump. You know what I'm saying? Side hug. (laughs) This excuse that just because we're performers, you know what I'm saying? Is she going to be at the AVN? What kind of performer is she? Okay. This whole acting excuse is wild to me. Okay. You're a married woman. You're about to be a married man act like it damn it they didn't add any fucking value to the show i'm not sitting at home thinking to myself wow that my boo my boo performance was so much better because they really made me believe they were in a relationship together what the fuck are we talking it's a love song come on it's a love song that's all i'm gonna say is that it was a love song and i appreciate that this black man was showing fake love to this black woman and while her real husband was showing nothing but love for her and so that's why i got say is it was a love song it was What'd entertainment you say? so Swiss Beast couldn't have came out and said anything against that because then he would have looked weak he has to he has to say what he said right just to make it seem like yeah i knew what time it was you know what i'm saying i co-signed this they're just come on man this is the same couple that you know i'm not even gonna do that i'm not doing that on today okay i am not doing that today but what we will say is i mentioned it earlier congratulations to usher though he got married he has so many amazing things going on so even though i was mm-hmm. underwhelmed by his performance at the super bowl congratulations to him for all that he has going on including getting married um and even though it wasn't to a black woman we still celebrate love especially when you have children with someone so you know what shout out to usher but on our next story, I want to highlight a man who is proud to be married to a black woman, who feels like he couldn't be married to anybody else but a black woman. So real quick, shout out to Killer Mike. Last week, we honored him as the his of the week. Obviously, he's on like a little post-Grammy tour. So he was on The Breakfast Club talking about why it's important or why it was important for him to marry a black woman. Let's check out this clip and we'll come back on the other side. When I say you, I married a black woman, Walt T. Williams said there's only one case he agreed with in terms of segregation. And people are like, well, what is that? Because you've been free thinking. You're over here writing conservatives. And he says, that's when it comes to marriage. You should marry a black woman. Mm-hmm. Because who's going to understand me like a black woman? Mm-hmm. Who going who gonna to understand my pain, my strife, my struggle? Who's going to understand culturally how important it is for my black children to be proud to be black. Even when she didn't birth these children, she's still their mother. Nobody's gonna do that like a black woman. Yeah. Nobody's gonna, mm-hmm. and, and that's not putting down other people, but that's say before you criticize me now. Yeah. I'm gonna look at your life decisions, nigga. Yeah. And if you, if your, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And if your life decisions didn't bring you to a black woman, then nigga, a lot of the shit you say 
might not be that's a credit right. with me. So I got a critic, you know, I got a critic. Yeah, I know this nigga don't like me. That's right. I know this nigga don't like me. <laughs> I don't act like this nigga like me. You know what I'm saying? This nigga been accused of all kind of fucked up shit. But when I seen that nigga wife, Oh, nigga. Yeah. When I see this nigga again, I'm putting this nigga to the side. Yeah. I'm pulling your nigga card, nigga, because you can't critique me about being black. I live in a black neighborhood. I grew up in a black community. That's I didn't right. move three inches from the neighborhood I grew up in. Still helped the same black high school and college and elementary schools I went to. Nigga, you can't get blacker than me because when I wake up in the middle of the night, I wake up next to a black wife. So there you have it. So what are your thoughts on what Killer Mike had to say? So first of all, Okay, let me stop that. No, but for real though, uh, I, I love it. I am definitely pro-black marriage. I think that black men, black women should marry each other. And to be honest, despite all the hate we hear out here in the sea, so to speak, on the Instagram and the internet and all that good stuff, 85% of black men marry black women. And so I think that's cool. I think that we need to have people like Killer Mike that speak this, um, besides um, Dr. Umar, because, you know, folks think he's a little bit shysty. So having Killer Mike <laughs> gives a little bit more credibility. <laughs> When he says this. And so I think foundationally, the in order to have true black power in the United States or anywhere, to be honest, but let's talk about the United States because that's where we live. Uh, we have to have black economics. Right. But in order to have black economics, we have to have black family in order to have black family. We have to have black man, black woman with each other. And all this other divisive behavior that we're experiencing only affects black economics at the end of the day. We need black unity. So I'm 100% with them. He's right. The cultural awareness. Because when you come home after having that rough day, you know what your woman going to do? She going to hug you, see how you're doing, check on you. Well, at least if she's your, if she's the right woman for you, if she likes you, <laughs> she supports you, then she's definitely going to come there and be there for you. Because she know how hard it is out for you, black man in this world. She know that you don't fault the world all day long. So you're going to get this tender, kind, loving heart when you get home. It may or may not come with some fucked up hamburger helper, but you still going to get it. <laughs> so <laughs> shout out to that. Shout out to Killer Mike. I support this 100%. You know, I was going to say, like, what I, what I heard him say was that from him being pro-black starts with marrying a black woman to a certain extent. And maybe it doesn't start with, but it certainly includes, right? Because he was talking about how, you know, he grew up, he still participates, he still reaches out to the black community, right? And he was talking about how, you know, someone who's not married to a black woman can criticize him about his pro-blackness, so to speak, right? And I'll be honest, I do agree with that. I don't know that a person can be pro-black and marry somebody non-black, right? Because to me, the pro, the for black just speaks to your appreciation of blackness, black culture, black people. And so to make a decision to to marry someone, because I don't believe that people just fall in love. I think even falling in love or dating, there's a consciousness that a person, you know, makes that decision and decides to explore. And then if it happens to fall, you know, into the love category, great, but there's, there's still like a decision that you're making, right? So I can't just go outside and just bump into a white woman and all of a sudden I just lost all ability to discern whether or not she's somebody that I can be with, right? This is not to say that a person can't support black issues and black causes. I mean, even white people can do that. But I think if you're talking about a man saying that he is pro-black or that the way he moves is pro-black, right? Then I think it does start with the person with whom you choose to not only spend a life with, build a life with, wake up with, go to sleep with, have children with, right? I mean, you know, to me, who you choose to marry is also a 
political decision to a certain extent, right? Because you're saying something about your values to a certain extent. So, I mean, I appreciate what he said. I'm in line with that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had experiences in the past with non-black women. At the same time, they were just those dalliances that came and went. Um, there were some amazing people. I don't think there's anything wrong with other women, for example, but I do think for myself, and I'll be clear, like I'm not even saying I'm super pro-black. You dig what I'm saying? I think there are, before anybody says, oh, do you drive black? Does everything you have black? I mean, let's be for real, right? There aren't necessarily car manufacturers that are black owned yet, and maybe one day that'll be the case, even if people thought that Cadillac was that. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that I think there are different variations on how you choose to support blackness or be black or relate to black people. And whether I buy a car that's made from a black manufacturer or whatever, I still only drive that car but so much. I spend way more time with my wife and my family. She is instrumental in regard to my finances, the legacy I'm going to leave behind. Like The wife, the woman, your partner is so important that I don't understand how people can feel like you can be pro-black. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be pro-black, whether you're you know black or not. I'm just saying that I think if a person is pro-black and they live that shit and they talk that shit, then stay the fuck out of their way because that may be a conversation that you don't want to have, right? Because I think towards the end of the um, interview, he was talking about one of his critics and he was like, yo, I saw his wife and I'm like, nigga, you can't tell me nothing about being pro-black and he has a leg to stand on. You dig what I'm saying? So I just think people got to be honest. We're not all going to be pro-black. Uh, there are different variations of how we support black, but for me and obviously for you, it's important and we elevate and we celebrate black love. You dig? So kudos to Killer Mike. It's one of the reasons why we wanted to give him the his because not only is his album amazing. If you haven't heard his album, please go listen to it. I've been listening to it this whole past week. But beyond him being a great musician and a great rapper and a talent, he's certainly somebody whose pro-black card should be unquestioned because of how he moves and what he advocates for in the name of and on the behalf of black people. So he has every right to say what he said, and I agree with him 100%. So I just want to add a couple more things. And the first one, when we talk about black economics, a lot of people don't realize that if you normally, if you're, when we talk about pro-black and black economics and why marrying a black person contributes to that, is that a lot of times when we marry outside your race, and once again, this is not pooping on any other race, but whoever you marry are more likely to shop within their own community. They're more likely to support their community. So for example, let's say you marry a white woman, Puerto Rican woman, or whatever the case may be, you may find yourself eating more at La Cocina than at a soul food restaurant. You may find yourself um, doing more things outside, whereas a black person marrying somebody of your same race, they're more likely to support and although not necessarily at all times by black, but this is just one of those ways. But not only that, they're more likely to be mentors. They're more likely to um, operate from a village concept if they were raised in the village concept, not saying that everybody is. And so it's just there's so many other ways by making sure that you marry within your race that supports your race. Right. And then the other part that I want to talk about really quickly was the phrase pro-black. Unfortunately, a lot of times when people say they're pro-black because I'm pro-black and a lot of times when we say we're pro-black, we're automatically assumed that means we're anti-white or we're anti-this or we're anti-that. The difference between 
so I can make it clear. The difference between somebody saying they're pro-black versus saying, let's say, they're pro-white is that their intentions is not to shit on any other race. Their intentions is to say, I acknowledge that I will put black first in my thought process. I acknowledge that I will put black first in my economics. I acknowledge that there are things that we can do as a black community. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that we're anti-white, anti-Latina or anti-anything. Because all we want to do is uh, make sure we uplift because there's been so long where we weren't uplifting each other and we've been drought trotted in the States, period. So a lot of times when we say that, people automatically say, oh, you must be racist. No, because unfortunately, contrary to that, if you're a pro-white, you tend to be racist. And the reason why you tend to be racist, because you're anti-everything else. You're anti-black, you're anti-Jew, you're anti-whatever the case may be. You're anti-everything else. And that's why there's a distinct difference between being pro-black and then saying you're pro-white. I just want to clear that up really quickly. Sorry if it seemed like I went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, that's fine. Listen, you were cooking, um, maybe with butter, with margin. I think you were cooking with margin on that one. But I, hey, listen, I co-signed <laughs> what you just said, and, and so we can keep the party going. Sweet. So you know what? Who got something cooking? Got something mm. baking in the oven? Mm. Baking in the oven. Um, I yeah. See what you so that would be <laughs> that would be a Jess Hilarious who announced on the Breakfast Club that she was pregnant with her second child. I believe it was um her boyfriend called in to tell her, you know, to wish her what was it, happy birthday, happy Valentine's Day. I don't even mm-hmm. remember to be honest. It's let's sad. watch the clip. Let's just watch the clip and then we'll come back on the other side. Hey baby, hey baby, it's uh, it's your man. I wanted to call and say happy birthday. Um, Thank you. I know it's a special day for you. Um, I can't wait to see you. I'm so proud of you. I love that you're standing divine all the time. Oh, this Chris, this Chris, such an amazing yes. woman. I can't wait to see you later. And then I'm so excited for our little bundle of joy as well, baby. Ah! <laughs> little bundle of what? Little what? Uh, little bundle of joy. You're pregnant? Bu- <laughs> right, we don't got to act clueless now. <laughs> Yay! Chris <laughs> Hilarious is pregnant. Yes, he's Congra- pregnant. Hey, Chris, congratulations, Congrats. my brother. I definitely appreciate it. Appreciate C- congratulations, my brother. <laughs> Jess you. Hilarious is pregnant. That's right. Yes. Yes. Prego. Yes, I am. How many I months? Pregnant. Can we ask? Yes, I am three months. So I'm 13 weeks, y'all. 13 weeks? Yes. Wow. Thank you, baby. Congrats. I love you. I love you too, baby. Chris, Chris, you know what would be an amazing Valentine's Day gift? What? Let me know. An engagement ring. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Shut up. An engagement ring would be an amazing Valentine's gift, Chris. You don't know what that man's doing. Don't worry. (laughs) <laughs> okay, say, yeah, say less. Stop, say playing with, yo, stop playing with my Latino. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it turns out it was happy birthday, happy Valentine's Day with the whole shebang, plus the announcement. Yeah. And the, <laughs> so, but I'm not going to lie, I was kind of agreeing with that little shade that was thrown in regards to, well, you got the baby. Is there a ring coming? Is there some marriage associated with this carriage? And so <laughs> I'm just curious as to what are your thoughts about Jess Hilarious getting married uh, or not getting married? I'm sorry, having this baby without being married, whatever the case may be, it's because I have some yeah. feelings about this. Well, no, I, I know you do, so I'm going to just speak my little piece and get out of the way. <laughs> um, well, first, I listen, I like Jess Hilarious. I've, I guess I've been following her like many people on social media and how she's kind of built herself and her brand and a name for herself, right, to to elevate to, I guess, being the third chair on The Breakfast Club. The first thing I thought about was like, damn, girl, didn't you just start? 
and you already about to go on paternity leave or maternity leave? That's crazy. Like, how you start the job and then less than a month later? Like, in other words, she knew she was pregnant before she actually officially accepted the job, right? But whatever, girl, get it how you live. Um, number one. Number two, though, I mean, you know, I do like her as a comedian. I don't know her personally, obviously. Um, and But I, you said it was shade. I don't necessarily think it was shade from Charlemagne because, like, as a big bro, so to speak, I think he went exactly where I would have went myself. Like, is there a ring, or, you know, around the corner? That would be a great thing, right? Because, you know, Charlemagne's married. And I think, you know, looking out for his sis, you know what I mean, that he would want her, like I would, like I'm sure you would, for her to be married, right? Because she already has a kid, right? And, you know, that relationship already came and went. You know, I guess they're co-parenting at a very high level, right? Whatever. But to, like, put yourself in a position for that to be the case a second time, right? So for me, I just didn't really necessarily want to judge it because in that video, the the brother Chris made it seem as if that uh, marriage was, you know, in his mind. She's only three months, which is typically the time that most people will announce their pregnancy, right? I think after your three months, for those who don't know, is almost like the certainty or the likelihood of a successful pregnancy goes up significantly at a three-month mark, which is why most women or a lot of people wait until that point to make the announcement. But when Charlemagne said that, he sounded like that was something on the horizon. I think DJ Envy chimed in and was like, hey, you know, you don't know what that man got working on or whatever. But the part that was interesting to me, and maybe I'm making a little bit more out of it, was that towards the end, I think Jess was agreeing that, yeah, you know, my man, we good. Like, you know, I guess expecting that there would be a ring down the road. But she was like, you know, my Latino man don't play that. And that part kind of stuck out to me because it's almost like, you know, comedians, they'll tell jokes and tell the truth at the same time. Was that her way of saying that based off of my man's cultural uh, experience or cultural history, that he is somebody that will make that commitment, right? And so I just thought that part was interesting. Um, Hopefully I'm not reading too much into it, but I just thought that that was funny because obviously when you talk about, you know, the gender wars that goes on within our community, it's almost like black men don't want to get married. So was there a way to separate her Latino boyfriend and say, nah, even though he looks black as hell and probably most people will consider him black, but don't go tapping into his Latino culture in regards to marriage to make it seem like that, you know, that culture is a little bit more, uh, you know, likely to get, oh, wait, that culture probably is more likely they to They are more get likely to get married. married. Never mind. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to just go on mute. But those are my initial thoughts. Back to you, s and <laughs> So Afro-Latino, right? So he's Afro-Lite. Um, they are, they, the culture does embrace marriage. So my first thought when I heard that she was pregnant and um, the whole ring comment, I was like, we don't learn lessons. There's no lesson learning in here because if you was a baby mama once, baby mama twice, you know, uh, is this going to start the whole, especially which means different baby daddies, right? Not to show things, not to throw shade on uh, women who may have multiple baby daddies because they were in long-term relationships or the case may be. But it's like, at what point do you learn a lesson? And why not say I want marriage before carriage? And so I think this is just a pattern in our society, particularly in the U.S., where it seems to be okay to pop up and be pregnant versus to pop up and be married. And so this may be a little old fashioned of me, but I'm just like, um, yeah, I'm with them. Where's the ring at? And with this guy being Latino, I'm like, well, maybe that ring will come a lot sooner than what we thought, because it does seem to be an issue of black men not willing to step up and say, oh, let's get married. I'm not sure if that's really the case because in my community, in my circle, almost every single one of the black men that I know are married. They are getting engaged. And so 
I'm not quite sure, even though stats may say something else. But as you know, stats can be taken out of context. But back to the whole, I started thinking about it and I realized it's because we are groomed to be mothers from the start. When you're a little girl, what you get? You get a baby doll. And then what your toys are. Your toys are the little carriage to push the little baby doll in. You get the little kitchen, which, by the way, means we're also groomed to be wives because I had a kitchen. I had an easy bake oven, too, when I was little, by the way. Yeah, I'm going to throw that in there, a little side note. Um, But for the most part, we are groomed to be mothers. And perhaps that's why in the U.S. it seems so acceptable to have uh, carriage before marriage, to have the womb before anything else. And I'm just, I find it so fascinating because as I thought about it, even from the time, even when you're, when you don't have children, when you get married, the first thing they ask you is, hey, so when's the baby coming? When's the baby due? Or women who are single and they're over 40 or over 35 and they'll have no kids, what's wrong with you? And so now I'm starting to think maybe we in the U.S. have a culture of making baby mamas. I don't know. But I just kind of I was just curious, like, do we have a culture of baby mamas versus wives? Is that what's happening here? And shout out, though. Congratulations at the same time. Well, I mean, the good thing is, listen, what we try to do is take these celebrity stories, right? So we can take it off of just hilarious. I'm sure that we both wish her well mm-hmm. and have no reason not to, right? But this idea that these young women are out here after one kid, you know, outside of wedlock and then choosing to do that again, right? And and whether or not they learn from those past mistakes, like it's all great in the beginning of the relationship where it's all love. And of course, you're getting all that emotion and it's all gravy, but like- you know, excuse me, the relationship continues and and what happens when that butterfly is gone, right? And, and and you're not even sure where you are in the relationship because you haven't made a commitment to each other in that way. You know, marriage isn't just like, I think, the institution and, and, the, and the wedding and all that. It's really about a commitment, a lifelong commitment that you make to somebody that says, hey, you know, we're going to go through thick and thin and, and work this thing on out. But yet we live in a culture where, you know, you can still get divorced, Right. So even though marriage is supposed to be a lifelong commitment, there are people who unfortunately are able to break that commitment. But when it comes to having a kid, that really is a lifelong commitment if you care, if you give a fuck about being a parent. So for people who are willing to have children with somebody and make that lifelong commitment, right, which involves now another human being that has to be, you know, taken care of, right, versus deciding to bond with another adult human being who can take care of themselves and then you guys commit to each other to build something, that's kind of baffling to me in regards to why people would choose the former. But yeah, maybe for the reason that you stated, maybe because many of us are not taught or not given the foundations to be able to create longstanding relationships, right, maybe it is easier for us to force a kid who doesn't have a choice to love us because what are they going to do, get up and leave? Right. Whereas it's much harder to work for the affections and to maintain the relationship with another adult. You dig? So, I mean, at the end of the day, listen, live and let live. But I think we'd be lying if we did not say that we believe that the best outcome for all involved is within a two parent household where people are making the choice of marriage before carriage, right? And trying to build a healthy marriage that can incubate the growth and development of a productive human being. You dig what I'm saying? So again, it's ain't really about her. Hopefully she gets her ring and uh, continues to progress and has made those adjustments in her life. But there's a lot of women out here who are going out there having their second kid by the second baby daddy. And if that's you, understood, right? 
But at some point, you have to be responsible and accountable for the choices that you make. And maybe it's time for you to start making some different decisions and some different choices if your outcome seems to be the same as it was before. You know what I mean? That may not be the case with Jess. We wish her nothing but the best. But I think for most women out there, especially those who already have one kid outside of wedlock, maybe it's important for them to prioritize establishing a committed relationship first with another adult that can kind of be the pillar and the foundation for the life that you want to create. But those are just my thoughts. Anything else you want to add on that before we move on? I just want to add the fact that there are lots of birth control options out there. Lots. If there is no ring in sight, there are multiple birth control options that you can leverage and use to ensure that this is not baby daddy number two, three, four, five. And so I encourage women to take advantage of their options. And if they're feeling pressured to have a baby by the person they're with, then they can likewise pressure them for the ring. As Beyonce said, uh, put a ring on it. So, uh, uh, uh. Big facts. Big facts. Well, well, you know, I I wouldn't say speaking of putting a ring on it because these women aren't necessarily playing for the ring. They're playing to be victims, right? So I saw this video. I believe the young lady in the video is called Love Dorsey. I was put on to her. She's from out of Tampa. I love her content because she keeps it real. Um, she speaks her mind. May not always agree with what she said, but there's a clip that I found where she was talking about how women love to play the victim. I'm going to play the clip, and then we'll come back on the other side. Historically, we have been programmed to conform to being a victim. Women, we like to be the one that got done wrong. This is why we struggle with accountability. So the the answer to what you're saying is most women chase bad boys because being with a bad boy allows you to end up being a victim at some point or another. Why do they want to be victims? It is programmed in us that poor me is some type of flex as a woman and as a mother. You can see it. In conversations, like when I said what happened in my Zoom, where the majority of the women right off bat knew. I knew I was going to be a single mother. I Mm. knew. And being a single mother, being a woman, poor woman left with children to raise on her own. That is something that they get to flex off of. They believe it is a flex. That's why when I say it produces the worst product, the comeback is, well, he did it to me. You're not going to get no award for that. And your child going to be a statistic. So what, what are we talking about? Now, you know what's interesting? On the last topic that we were talking about, we were wondering why is it that women would put themselves in a position to be disadvantaged, right? So if you have one kid already, you're repeating the same mistakes, and so now you got two kids out of wedlock, maybe from a guy who's not involved. So watching this Love Dorsey clip, it made me wonder, like, could that be the reason, right? I mean, I get it that maybe what she said, right, because she went in and talked about how women love to be the victim, that we've been conditioned or they've been conditioned to be victims and to to look at certain narratives. So what are your thoughts on what she said? And are you saying, or do you think there's any truth to what she's saying? Or do you wholeheartedly disagree? You know, it's interesting. Um, my first thought was bullshit. <laughs> and then I decided to listen with an open mind. And mm. um, because I was like, let me try to understand what she's saying. And ultimately, I still came to response of like, damn, that's crazy that she believed women are programmed to be the victim. And I kind of disagree with that. I don't know too many women who want to purposely be a victim. And it's not a flex to be a single mother, or is it in the in our culture? But I will go back to that whole baby mama culture in the U.S. then perhaps. And so I just I just felt that, mm, let me see. I just felt that it was just another way to once again shift the blame. And maybe this is a victim statement to women, right? <laughs> and because 
one of the comments that they talked about was where women go for bad boys, right? And um, but that's not necessarily true that they're going for bad boys so they can be the victim and be like, oh no, he hurt me again. Oh, so sad. Actually, they go for the bad boys because they have a tendency to women are programmed to want to be with the person who they identify as the strongest, the confidence, the most confident, the one they believe will be able to protect them or whatever the case may be. Now that is programmed because that's our nature to want to be protected. As far as if it shows up in the, the bad boy person, I'm not quite sure why women don't therefore actually our nature use logic to determine that oh no this bad boy is blah 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 not the best person but is more or less survival of the fittest when it comes to when women make certain choices about certain men and sometimes for them it may be the flashiest and I think it's similar to like the whole peacock syndrome where the guy because have you ever noticed that the peacocks the female peacocks are not even cute they're like plain looking whereas the guy peacock has all these flashy feathers and they're really pretty and then they start dancing and they do this extravagant dance for this female and so even in nature women are attracted to the person that's flashy They're attracted to the person who put forth that effort to be flashy, outstanding, or whatever the case may be. I don't know. I think that I don't necessarily agree with that we're we're purposely supposed to be victims that, and when she say programmed, it made me think back to some of the historical aspects of women being programmed to be the victims. And I'm like, wait a minute. But technically, in some cases, women were the victims. And then I got to the point where I was like, wait a minute, at this point, we're all victims. Men play victims. Women play victims. We all playing victims because nothing ever gets resolved in this gender war <laughs> that we currently have going on because everybody wants their viewpoints to be expressed and everybody at this point believe that they're victims. Although I will acknowledge one thing that I did agree with her on, and that's the lack of accountability that women mm. chooses, that some women, let me be more precise, some women chooses to play the victim so they can escape accountability. Fortunately for me in my world, most women that I know are accountable for their actions and they have no problem owning up to when they're wrong or when they're doing something such as these single mothers who then take actions to correct it so that they're no longer a single mother or they're no longer having additional children out of wedlock. So I will acknowledge that I did agree that some women will play the victim so that they no longer have to have accountability for certain aspects of their lives. but. That's just me. So let me say this. Um, So I think, you know, first of all, we can never say all women, right? And we can always say some women. I think where it turns is whether or not there's a most women. I don't know that I heard her say most women, right? I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and listen to it again. And maybe if she did, I don't know that I disagree with her, right? So the first thing I thought about was Munchausen syndrome, right? If I'm not mistaken, it's a condition where, let's say, a mother is purposefully making her child sick because she enjoys the attention that it brings her, right? And by the way, we are in an attention economy in 2024, right? Meaning that people want attention for a myriad of reasons on social media. People want attention for things that are not positive in their lives, right? You know, we had the brick girl. Yeah, it was a hustle or whatever. But at the same time, she knew that we're in an attention economy. And so people will pay attention to the negative things. We don't pay attention as much to the positive things, right? That's just fact. People pay attention to the ratchet. People pay attention to the desolate. People pay attention to car car wrecks, et cetera, et cetera. So 
while I do think it might be jarring for a woman to believe that it's possible that there are women out there who are coming from a victim mentality, like they want to be victimized because they appreciate the attention, the sympathy that they gain from people based on that condition, right? So I don't think it's that far-fetched. Am I saying that's most women, that's all women? Absolutely not. But we know Munchausen is a thing. And I think when you mix that with the current climate of social media, that there are women out there who they're not saying that they're making decisions based off of this, but they're not being um, thrown off from making a decision because of it, right? It used to be a thing where it's like, I don't want the shame of being a baby mom, right? So maybe women moved differently. So we've removed that shame from that. Okay, fine. Maybe there are some people now that the shame is gone, that they're more open to it, but then we also celebrate it. Right, B A B Y B A. We as a culture have a way of turning negatives into positives, aka chitterlings. Okay, so maybe she framed it in such that it's difficult to believe, but is it possible that we'll take things that are negative per se and then glorify them? We live in a hip hop culture where we have glorified niggas shooting other niggas, pulling up on people, right? Like, so it's not, you know, it's not out of the blue that we as a culture tend to elevate and celebrate things that are bad for. For us now, would we say, "Oh, that's a victim mentality"? If a man shoots another man, absolutely not. But it certainly would be a perpetrator mentality, though. And I would, you know, I don't think that's that much better than whether you're the person who is the victim of us of a crime or the perpetrator of a crime, right? I guess it just depends on what side of the line that you're on. So I get that, and that's why I like her. Because she'll say provocative things and you also have to keep in mind, you're talking about your friend circle, but she talked about in that video being around like a Zoom call where she would hear women, right, who are kind of socioeconomically where she's from talk like this, right? And I think we have to be very careful from a... Um, uh, so from a society standpoint, it's not even the right word. From I was I was trying to say culture, economics, or caste system, like where some of us feel like we've maybe we're in a different echelon, you know, class, right? Classes was the word I was looking for. We have to be very careful that from a class perspective, or even an age perspective, or a generation perspective, that we're around people who operate a certain type of way, right? We're in our forties, so the likelihood is the most people that we've been around are either college educated, have been married, you know, are moving a certain type of way, but if you have followed Love Dorsey, you'll see that a lot of the people that she's talking about are probably closer to the median income than we are, right? And she's able to see it in real time from women who support her financially, who go to her for advice, right? So I think she probably has a perspective that is legit. It is a conversation that should be had because it does kind of make sense why people will put themselves in position to be victimized then talk about their victimization and then accept the sympathy, right, that comes from it. I think there is a logic that these people are looking for those things. So I understand that perspective, right? I understand that because I do. I'll admit that in this particular case and this that I'm not speaking from a worldview, don't have the same type of audience or lens that she may have because of what she does in her primary job and responsibilities. And But at the same time, just like you indicated that we celebrate the negative, we celebrate single mothers, we celebrate these things. So is that really playing the victim if, we're, if we've changed it to something celebratory? And if we are celebrating it, is it because we wanted to change the narrative from victimhood to celebration? 
where it's like, well, it may not have been the best thing for me, but I'm happy that it happened because children are blessings, right? And that may not, now I will agree that technically this baby mama culture (laughs) is horrible for our community. But the fact that, I don't know, I just think that if we turn things into something that's technically celebratory, then that's a way to take that so-called victimhood back, right? Just like when folks stopped saying, when they took the word nigga and was like, oh, we're taking that word and we're going to use that word so it doesn't hurt us anymore. And so is that still from a place of victimless, right? From victimhood? I don't know. I think that she is provocative. I actually thought when I was listening to it, I can see why she has people who go to her for advice. I can see why, because she's providing an alternate perspective, right? She's providing a different perspective. And so I support that. I don't necessarily agree with her, but I think that's the best part about dialogue is that you don't necessarily have to agree with somebody, but you can see some of their points. And so before I jump into the next story, uh, did you have any other additional thoughts, comments, concerns? Because I feel like you kind of want to push back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think it's a very fine line. I think people can still be victims and still try to find some justification or find something, right? There are people who have literally legit been victimized and they will try to change the narrative to where they're no longer victims. It doesn't mean that they weren't in fact victimized, right? So I do think that people can spin things after the fact, Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think that people um, are, you know, we're in a culture where people want to receive attention, even if it's sympathy. And um, and sometimes the only way to get that is if somebody else perceives you as a victim to a certain extent too, right? And so, I mean, I think there's a lot of truth to what she said. It may not apply to everybody, but we can move on. Well... For those who would not like to be victims, we had a conversation, and I'm, I'm saying this as a from women and dating, to be honest. But anyways, um, to put yourself in the mind of victimhood, victim frame and whatnot, um, should men be dating if they're making less than 50K? And is that causing victimhood on behalf of the women who are supporting men who are dating? Let me stop. I said I might be a little toxic. It's okay. That's okay. So, so and I'm, and the reason why I said let me stop is because my own story has, you know, is completely opposite of the way I just presented that. So, but anyways, with that being said, um, for our last take, and I'm excited about this because it reminded me of a clubhouse conversation that we once had when we was in Black Women Need Love 2 and Make Marriage Great Again. Remember those days? Mm. Yes, the good old, now nah, I won't call them the good old days, but they were fun. And that was pertaining to, I think our topic was Shapur men date, right? And so recently there was a conversation pertaining to should men making 50K date. And so I believe we have a clip for that. Can we run the clip? Yep. So if you're making $50,000, don't date. I'm, I'm just being for real. You're not ready to date. Again, I'm with you. When you're not right. ready to date. You're not ready to date because courtship costs. Okay. Everything costs. Okay. You can go for 22 walks in the park. Eventually, Shorty is going to need a sip of something. She's going to be thirsty. <laughs> this <laughs> bottle of water is $3 in Atlanta. Let's oh, not play. Please. So if you don't have any expendable cash, don't date. And whatever that looks like for you, you might only make 50000 but you live in a shoe. And now you got expendable cash. Or get you a bottom of the barrel. That's going to date you when you have no money. If she doesn't have the expectation, and I'm going to tell you this right now, enjoy it while it lasts because eventually you're going to want to run. Because she doesn't stretch you. She doesn't make you the man that you need to become. She allows you to be the stagnant dude in the same jeans for days. You know what I'm saying? We cutting up. You talk about me. 
All right. So we are back. I am interested in hearing your thoughts. Like I said, we had this conversation about poor men shouldn't date. As a matter of fact, I think it was poor men shouldn't date, have children. It was a whole bunch of things that we talked about in the clubhouse days. And so what are your thoughts on this? Should men making 50K even date? Yeah. I mean, this. Uh, I think the woman in the video gave a caveat. She's like, the guy lives in a shoe or something like that, then maybe he has disposable income and so therefore he can date, right? And so I think I'm along those lines. Depending on where you live, depending on your, your plans, I think you can date with 50K, right? Because really dating is about getting to know somebody. Does that mean that you could date at a high level? Absolutely not. But if we believe like I do, that two people make it 50K should, should come together and build from there, right? Because I feel like, you know, the medium income around for black men and black women are around 50K, right? So there's a bunch of people who are making less and there's a bunch of people maybe who are making more, but a majority of folks, whether it's average or median, are somewhere thereabouts, right? So, you know, I advocate marriage. I think if a guy, you know, is making 50K, how is he supposed to find his future wife, right? If he's not supposed to date, I don't understand how that works. Is the idea that he's supposed to go out there and make more money? If he doesn't make more money, then he's never supposed to date and procreate. Okay, cool, right? But I don't think that's consistent with the idea that in order for us to build, that we have to build together and it may require for us to get to know each other, which we typically do during dating, right? And so I just, I mean, maybe there's caveats in regards to how old a man is, you know, his life choices, right? Because for example, when I was getting married, to get married. I actually looked this up recently. So in in 2005 or 2003, I was making about $33,000. And that $33,000, it translates to about 56000 in today's dollars, right? When you adjust for inflation. At that time, not only was I trying to propose, I bought a ring cash, a carrot cash. I was able to stack bread. Why? Because I had a roommate. Right, I lived in New York, by the way. This wasn't like me living in Alabama. No, not to Alabama, but we were talking about the cost of living. So I lived in New York. I was a, I had my own room. I had my own space. I probably spent like a few hundred. Didn't have to worry about a car because you know you had the public transport transportation. Um, I was really good with money, and I think combined, her and I both were probably making sixty k. And I think we ended up being um, engaged for like six, seven, eight months at the most. But in the time when we was having those conversations, we were able to save tens of thousands of dollars to the point where when we finally did get married, we was able to buy a car. We was able to buy new furniture. She didn't even have to work. You know what I'm saying? All because I knew how to manage money. So I do think there is a part of the conversation in regards to just people understanding money. And the last thing I'll say is I hate having this conversation with some folks because it's clear that a lot of people don't understand money. Right, Because if you understand money, then you understand it's not how much you make, it's how much you spend. And a young man you know, can do 50 responsibly and still date. Right, like It's fucking asinine. You know what I'm saying? To think that that's not possible. Now, it's going to be at the level upon which most of these people are having their opinion on? Absolutely not. But from a practical standpoint, I'll land with this, that yes, men making 50K can date. They do have to exercise you know, some level of financial literacy and, and discipline in order to do that. Um, but if we want people to get married and if we feel like people can build together, how else are they going to do that if they don't date? And so the idea that men making 50K should not date is retarded, in my humble opinion. And shout out to all the women who believe that. Hopefully y'all are married and y'all found y'all man, right? Because if you did not, I'm going to just stop there. <laughs> so while I started off one way, to be honest, um, I met my husband. He worked at Wendy's. 
I worked at Crystal's and um, although I will admit that I only worked at Crystal for a month before I quit and joined the military because that was not working out for me. Um, but anyways, with that being said, I think it's completely asinine to say somebody who makes less than 50K shouldn't date. I think that when we think about wealth building and when we think about relationships and so forth, like it's two is better than one, right? Now, the financial literacy piece is very important because it's all about your saving, how you're investing, if you're investing, if you're to that point of investing. But there's also this thing where not all dates have to be expensive. As a matter of fact, if you go back a couple episodes, you'll hear about dating on a budget. <laughs> and so not all ep- dates have to be expensive. And so it's possible. Now, there are people who say that there's two schools of thoughts with this. The first school of thought is that men if they're not distracted by dating, one, they save money, but two, they're able to focus better on their trajectory in life, right? If they want to get to a certain age, certain um, have a certain bag by a certain age, then if they're not dating, then it allows them to focus on getting that bag and securing that bag, right? And then there's the other school of thought that was like, hey, there's women who can actually get you to that point in your life where that person actually motivates you. If you find the right woman, the right, in this case, we're going to say wife, um, person, wife, that can help you and push you to where you want to be in life because that she's there for moral support. She's there for, and to be honest, let's be honest, in some cases, financial support, right? And at the end of the day, I found that in a lot of cases, the person you're with should be motivating you to be better. You should, they should be motivating you to be a better version of yourself, just like they're motivating themselves to also be a better version of themselves, right? And so when we have this argument about men under 50 date, I'm like, that's why we got so many damn single ass women and men out here in the world today because of these stupid ass arguments that don't make any sense to me and as somebody like I said I got married young that means we started dating young of course and so of course we was broke of course we ain't have no money (laughs) I just said Wendy's and crystals so you know and we're part-time because we was in college so you know we're not pulling no money in but you know what though you can't tell that today because we pulled our resources together and we both had a vision. We both had a plan. And as a matter of fact, we even had a conversation to make sure our vision and plan matched up because we both saw where we wanted to be by the time we was 30, by the time we was 40, by the time we get 50 and 60 and so forth. So I think we need to let that part of the conversation die because it's possible. And let's just recognize that Depending on what school of thought you are, if you're that person who can be distracted because you view women as distracting, by all means, if you don't want to date because you're making less than 50K because you got this vision and you want more supposedly options, because as Nick pointed out in another episode, (laughs) when you make more money, you got more options. (laughs) So if that's you, kudos for you. But for everybody else, us normal people who like to get together and um, have company, there are other ways that you can date and find love and still be making less than 50K. So that's where I'm going to land right there. That's a big fact. I mean, you know, one thing that's great about this show is a lot of like uh, bite-sized conversations or, or what's the word I'm looking for here? Like little click, uh, clip bait, uh, these little short takes that are out here in the world. And we take the time to dissect it, to really look into it, to see if it actually makes sense. So like as a quick take for these other folks who are talking about it, it makes sense, but it does spark conversations and we get a chance to have it here, which is why I absolutely loving the, you know, doing the his and hers edition of the BLC pod with you, S&M. But we got to get up out of here, right? We had a fantastic show, right? We have a clip. Right, because I think you reminded me it is 
Black History Month, so thank you for that, right? But before we go to that clip, which is basically a clip of uh, Malcolm X talking about what we as black people could do to really elevate if we come together, which I thought was really, really appropriate because whether it's relationships, man and woman, whether it's community, including children or each other, you know, that's what we're about here on the BLC pod. So, But before we go, we got to remind y'all to do one thing. I'm trying to remember what it is. What is this? Like, follow, subscribe, engage, and share. Yes, you heard the woman. She said, like, subscribe, follow, share, engage. You already know what it is. Happy Black History Month to all you guys tapping in on the BLC. By the way, the BLC stands for Black Lives Chatter. The His and Hers edition, you already know what it is. Pro-Black, pro-Black, pro-Black. You know what I mean? We'll see you next time next week. Here's a clip, and we out of here. There will come a time when Black people wake up and become intellectually independent enough to think for themselves, as other humans are intellectually independent enough to think for themselves, then the black man will think like a black man, and he will feel for other black people. And this new thinking and feeling will cause black people to stick together. And then at that point, you'll have a situation where when you attack one black man, you are attacking all black men. And this type of black thinking will cause all black people to stick together. And this type of thinking also will bring an end to the brutality inflicted upon black people by white people. And it is the only thing that will bring an end to it.